You are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javano Kelly live from Seattle, Washington, USA. Greetings, greetings beautiful people. My name is Simon Javan Okelo. I am excited to be here with you for another amazing episode of the African Father in America podcast. I am in Seattle, Washington, and I am really really privileged to be here with a wonderful guest Juliet Luakatare, who is the founder of Fanikia Foundation. Uh, Juliet, uh, do you want to say hi to our viewers and our listeners briefly? Yes, please. Um, good morning, everyone. It's 6 a.m. here in Seattle. Uh, many greetings and how are you doing? Uh, Bali Ghani. <laughs> very nice, Thank very you. nice. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, so I'm excited to have Juliet here as my special guest. And uh, we also have a lot of guests who are joining us. Over 128 people have joined us oh. on TikTok. Uh, we have people joining us on Twitter. We have people joining us on Facebook. We have people joining us on YouTube. We have uh, many, many people joining us on LinkedIn as well. So uh, we want you all to feel welcome. And as usual, when we start the show here in the African Father in America podcast, we start with an African proverb because we want to elevate our African culture and we want Mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, just remember where we came from. So our proverb today, as you can see on the screen, says that however long the night, the dawn will break. However long the night, the dawn will break. I want you to share in the comments what this proverb means to you. However long the night, the dawn will break. I have three nuggets of wisdom to share with you that are related to this proverb. These are ideas that my team and I wrote down when we saw this proverb and we want you to take a look at them and hopefully take them as lessons that we can learn from this proverb but in a moment you're going to hear what Juliet thinks about this proverb and then we are going to learn a little more about Juliet we are going to learn about a childhood story that continues to inspire who Juliet is as a leader today we are also going to learn about the amazing work that Juliet is doing at the Fanikia Foundation. And then after that, you're all going to learn about uh, this amazing initiative where uh, recently, actually, the Health Commons Project was uh, selected by the Washington State Department of Health to distribute funds uh, and provide technical assistance uh, to community-based organizations, especially in the African diaspora community. So there's uh, almost 12 million that is available for the African diaspora community here in Washington state. And uh, uh, Juliet is actually one of the amazing women leaders in our community here that we are featuring as part of this series that features amazing African leaders, especially women who are doing incredible work in Washington state. We were supposed to have Juliet here last month as part of Women's History Month, but you know life life could not allow us to do it then. But uh, today we are here now, and uh, again our proverb for the day says that however however long however long however long the night the dawn will break however long the night the dawn will break. This beautiful proverb tells us a couple of things, three things mainly. Um, keep faith and hope alive you know sometime when you're going through a difficult time 
sometime when you feel weak even physically emotionally uh, you might lose faith you know you might lose hope you might think that life is over but life is just beginning you know that's what this proverb is reminding us about number two, uh, endurance is key you know um, this is very f- something that a lot of athletes um, and I was actually thinking about this from a gardening perspective too uh, in Africa, a lot of gardening is done by hand, you know, and a lot of the time you have a big garden that you must finish plowing before you plant the seeds and then watch it grow. Uh, and sometime you just have to take a portion of your garden one day at a time, you know, and you just have to endure the, the pain and the, and, the, and the hard work that it requires for you to, uh, you know, plow the whole garden by hand. Eventually, you look back and find that you finished the whole garden and you'll actually be surprised how you did it. And then uh, finally, the last nugget of wisdom here is that embrace change. You know, a lot of the time when change is happening in our lives, you know, uh, when we get married while we were single, we get so scared because uh, suddenly we feel that our freedom has been uh, has been limited. We feel that we now have children, we, we, we can't do all the things that we used to do. And sometime in the process, we freak out. And for no good reason, we want to get out of our marriages, we want to get out of our jobs, we want to, we want to run away for no reason. But this proverb is telling us, just embrace it, just embrace. Uh, I always say that enjoy in the suffering, you know, however difficult it is, just find a way to enjoy it and really experience that challenge so that you learn something from it. But now I want to come to you, Juliet. Juliet when you look at this proverb uh, that says that however long the night, the dawn will break. What does it bring to your mind? Okay, um, thank you. So to me, um, it's not about the ability or uh, to adapt well in the face of hard times a lot of uh, maybe threat, disaster, stress. So um, I'll take example of us who came from Africa, coming to a new country. Okay, most of us, we chose to come here for, to better our life, um, but we do face a lot of challenges. But being able to be here, maybe after 15 years, 10 years, overcome the culture, uh, overcome the language barriers, overcome the system, uh, I feel that that's a best proverb for us, uh, that we've been able to endure, to embrace change, uh, to free ourselves from stress, um, put things in the perspective that we know that this is, like, this is it and we have to live in it, uh, turn off on negative stuff. So yeah. So that I would relate to our life ourselves as immigrants uh, living in America uh, and do all these changes that we have to endure in order to thrive in the, into the new environment or new condition. That's true. That's true. That's beautiful, though, because uh, it also relates to the work that you do with uh, Fanikia Foundation, yeah. where yeah. Uh, part of your work is focusing on serving underprivileged girls and women in Tanzania who are facing uh, educational needs, social advancement needs, uh, financial needs. Uh, and you brought this work here in the, in the Puget Sound 
uh and uh, you know i was joking with you earlier before the show that you're very famous in my community oh. and you know you're, you're not famous <laughs> you know because of like, like you're not like diamond platinums but i think you're doing a better job than him because you're serving people you've dedicated your life to uh mm-hmm. to supporting people who otherwise would be in in danger you know uh yes. and i want you to take us back you know to a moment maybe when you are eight years 16 years where something happened uh that reminds you of why you do this work every day you know i always share with people that when i was eight years old my mother gave me a bicycle uh and mm-hmm. asked me to help her distribute milk and bread in our neighborhood so i had uh you know the black mamba bicycles uh that you have in 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 africa and so okay Mm-hmm. I I used to distribute a lot of milk and a lot of bread with my bicycle and that taught mm-hmm. me leadership it taught me entrepreneurship it taught me how to take risks you know so I want mm-hmm. you to speak about something similar something that happened when you were young that continues to drive you today because for me uh mm-hmm. distributing milk and bread and waking up early in the morning taught me how to wake up early that's why I do this show very early in the morning before I get my day started it also taught me how to make friends you know how to build a community with people uh, and that's what i'm bringing to my life here right now in the in the diaspora so tell us a story too about something that happened when you were young that continues to inspire you right now as a leader okay thank you so um what takes me fanikia foundation started with me long long time ago when i was at a very young age um i remember when i was a kid maybe 4 or 5 years old um we lived in the city uh dalesam city if most of you know about it and i would go with my family or my mother to the city and i would see a lot of homeless street kids disabled uh individual uh doing panhandling and uh I had a lot of thinking when I used to pass them. I remember that I, I used to feel the pain, pain in me, saying, "Oh, what are we going to do?" And I'll ask my mom all the time for some little change to help them, and I will make sure my mom give me some money to help them. And uh, I used to tell myself, "If I become rich, I'll come and help them, especially the street kids." It used to pain me a lot. Um and uh, when I when i had an opportunity when i came to america it was in me i said i have to do something and when i came to america i did so many different things in order to survive in order to survive here i did a lot of jobs but there was some calling that remind me oh my goodness i'm so blessed to be here i would see the life in here and it would take me back to those four years five years uh, of when i was like four to five years old and remember those things that my country needs me there are people there who needs me and um and this like create fire on me and uh, i started this foundation of helping other i would give you um one of the example that makes me moving and makes me doing this and be proud of myself is i remember like i think during covid i had a very big uh, meeting like a lottery e something and i uh, had my sister in there and we are like maybe 1000 people in that zoom call um 
and my sister, we had not lived together for more maybe than 30 years. And she was like, when I introduced myself, I talked about my Fanicia Foundation, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. Um, and she was like, I'm so glad Juliet is doing this because she was born to do this. Because I remember when we were young, we used to pass on the street. She could not pass an homeless person without helping, without asking my mom, give me some change and give it to this street kid or give them food. So this gave me power, encouragement saying, oh my goodness, this is what I'm supposed to do. So, and then I remember I met my schoolmate, uh, my old schoolmate. We went to school like when I was like 14 or 15 years old and she learned about what I'm doing now. That was last year. And she came to me and tell me, oh, I'm so glad, Juliet, you are doing what you are born to do. I was like, why are you saying that? And she started reminding me when I was in the classroom helping underprivileged students that I knew that, oh, this person needs help. And I would help those students, even though, even though I was a student. So those are the moments that I remember that, okay, what I'm doing is a light thing now. It's a light thing that is in inborn. It's something that really resonate with me. It's something that I want to see everybody happy. I want to see everybody thriving. I want to see everybody live a peaceful life. Uh, this is me since I was, I believe, born. <laughs> uh, so that's what I would share with you. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that. Uh, to all our guests who are joining us live and direct uh, on TikTok, Thank you so much. Make sure you follow me over there on TikTok and you double tap the screen and share the link. If you are on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter, make sure you are sharing the link to this live stream and also comment down below so that we know where in the world you are joining us for the show today and also your perspectives. You know, we want to involve you in the show today. So what are you thinking about today's proverb? However long the night, the dawn will break. And also tell us if something that Juliet is saying is inspiring you uh, and you'd like to... Actually, Juliet, how can somebody who wants to donate to your foundation, how can they do it? I want to make sure we give you a chance to tell us where your website is. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, thank you for this opportunity. Um, you can visit my, our website. Uh, it's www.fanikiafoundation.org. Um, you can uh, look the work we do there, uh, and also there should be a donate button at the top, at the bottom of the homepage, and would appreciate um, for your kindness and support that you provide to our work. Mm, Thank you so much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. So. Uh, when you think about, uh, first of all, before I go to the next question, I just want to ask everyone who is watching us on YouTube. YouTube is where I am working very, very hard to grow the presence of the African Father in America podcast and to continue bringing you this kind of conversations, these proverbs, and to grow our community grounded on African culture. So um, if you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe. If you haven't given this video a thumbs up over there, make sure you do that. It's really, really important. Uh, and also comment. We want to know your perspectives right there on YouTube. Uh, and if you go to the description section, there's a lot of uh, you know opportunities that you should take advantage of. There are so many links that my team add to the video description on YouTube. You should totally take advantage of those. 
Now uh, my guest here is really really incredible Juliet Luakatare is the founder of Fanikia Foundation that is dedicated to elevating uh, women and girls uh, in Tanzania and also here in the Pacific Northwest. One of the things that we are covering today Juliet is also talking about uh, the impact uh, the effects of COVID-19 uh, in your community you know here in the Pacific Northwest can you take us back to uh, when the COVID-19 uh, you know pandemic started and share with us um, when you look back you know what are some of the the effects of COVID-19 that uh, you know you feel that you'd like to share with us today and how it, it impacted you and your organization particularly and also how how you reacted you know uh, some of the things that you did some of the services that that you have been providing uh, some of the work that you've been doing so that you can counter the effect of covid-19 because i know that you know you are a fighter just based on everything you just shared, shared with us i know that you're not someone who is going to see a problem and just sit there i know that you did something so talk to us <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, COVID-19, I would say it was real. Um, it was uh, something that unexpected it, but it's something that opened some so many, uh, so many stuff that we didn't know. Um, when it takes me back to 2020, when COVID-19 started, most of me or my community did not know what it is. And um, we lost so many people that we know uh, many people were impacted uh, through death, through uh, emotionally, through physically. People went through uh, turmoil. Uh, people struggle with to understand what is COVID nineteen. And the work we did, and uh, at that time when we COVID nineteen, I was still working with people back home, educated girl program that I've been doing it. So I was concentrating with educated girl at home. So I was very worried because of poverty back home. And I was worried more of people in Africa more than here, because I feel like we everything is reachable here. Uh, I was thinking like that. And um, I would think about what am I gonna do if my family, the girls that I help who are in poverty condition and underserved condition, they don't have access to medical, they don't have access to uh, resources that they need, what are we going to do? So that was the first thing I was worried about. I wasn't even worried about here in America. I was worried more about people. What if the COVID-19 hit people back home? What they would do if they are in the lockdown? What they would do? What, how are they going to uh, feed themselves? Because they have to go out and do farming and do all that. What are they going to do? Um, and uh, so as I was working, trying to help the people back home, and I started meeting with people here. And I realized it was kind of a hard moment for me <laughs> that this community here, um, we, we are considered as minority, underserved. Most people, we didn't know much about what is COVID-19 and how could we do with COVID-19. We are locked. Remember most of our community, we work in this job, like maybe double shift job, so many people, uh, places were closed. Uh, jobs, people lost their jobs. Um, they didn't know what to do. We don't have big family here. So we needed community, us, 
to help is when I decided to step in and say, oh my goodness, I have my community here who don't understand what to do, who, who don't know where, how to get the resources and who to help. Because back home, we have big family. Here is like when you are locked down, you are by yourself. <laughs> Nobody's there to come and knock on your door and say, oh, Juliet, how are you doing? Uh, do you need any kind of help? No, uh, you have to reach. So as, as I was trying to understand what's going on and to understand the community needs here in Seattle or Washington is when I started trying to help my people here. Uh, we started working, partner with other organizations here. Uh, we started providing, and what I found out doing that, I was trying to maybe provide food voucher, trying to reach people, trying to uh, call them because at that time we couldn't meet in person, trying to ask them, do you need help? There's this uh, organization that is providing that. I'll share in, in our WhatsApp group about what's going on, opportunity, resources, the food that uh, they were providing, lend to assistance. Um, if there was a lot of like checks that were given to immigrants. So I was doing that work, we were partnering with other organizations. When I was working with my community, I realized that we are missing something very critical and we are missing inf uh, information. And I didn't know how information it was powerful and still I started working with this community. I realized we are missing a lot of information and maybe we are considered today being minority and a served community just being an immigrant being the first generation in this country because we are missing information that will help us uh, to reach our goals or to reach to have a better life and one of the things that we are missing information is not that it's not there it's language barrier culture differences uh believe that we have that we we are still holding and coming here and trust issue trust the system the government of here u.s system government so i decided to work as a messenger uh to be there to to transform that information and to assure my people that this is real okay COVID-19 yes it's real uh we had a lot of stories that COVID-19 is for killing black people um it's gonna <laughs> it's something that is for white people I remember when it started we were told oh it's white people disease and I'm like okay it's not me but um and then it started eating us and I was looking at the news on CNN looking at 2,000, 3,000 in New York, New York, black people are dying. I was like, oh, okay, this is for us. Um, so we are missing information. Information doesn't come to our home. It's not that it's there, it's on the TV, but the language, the culture that is being used does not like relate to us. And we, we see like it's not us, but it is us. So what we are doing is Fanikia Foundation. We are trying to make this information more culturally related less that when i come and tell you like this is information you feel like oh it's it's me it's part of me it's not for some other uh, culture or some other uh, race it's me so we are trying to relate to that we are trying to reach to their home and tell them oh my goodness covid19 is real uh there's vaccination that can help us to overcome this pandemic and this vaccination is not to kill you is to make you live healthy life 
So that's what we have been doing, uh, working with the community, uh, disseminating credible information from King County, public health, CDA, CDC. And I would see how powerful this information is. As just last week, during my work, I went and did a church visit in Swahili church. We do a visit like visiting the church, talking to our community. And when I was there, I went to there to talk about the importance of COVID-19 vaccination, booster shots. And when I was there, we were talking about that. And then we went to, into screening, for example, cancer, that kind of stuff. And at the end, we talked about preventive care, the importance of preventive care or annual care uh, routine exam. And as I was talking to them, these are the people who have jobs, <laughs> who have insurance. Uh, and uh, so when I was talking about to, to them about, oh, we need to do preventive care, what you need to go when you see the doctor, what you need to ask. And I was like, oh, okay. Everybody was, oh, I said, do you have insurance? Like most of them, 90%, they said they have health insurance because they have a good job, but they don't go to see the doctor. They don't see, uh, they don't see the importance of that. Well, you know, African, we are in the survival mode. <laughs> we believe like we are surviving every day. But when it hits us, those kind of uh, healthy issues, when we are realizing, oh my goodness, why I did not do this? And during that time, they were like, oh, what is preventive care? And I'm like, okay, preventive care is this and this and this. And I'm like, oh, thank you for telling us. I'm like, have you not heard about this preventive care before? I said, yeah, we have heard from people, but you telling us, coming here and talk to us, it does bring a big change. It does impact us in a different way. It doesn't like saying, okay, this is my fellow African taking, talking to me, saying that you need to do a, a preventive care. This is not for other races, it's for us too. And we need to claim for that. So that's what I would say that uh, COVID-19 made me to understand that we need each other. Uh, we need each other as African. And if we don't hold each other, we won't live the life we are supposed to live here in America. This is a land of opportunity. There's a lot of resources, a lot of um, services that is made for all of us. And if we don't reach to that part, we'll find ourselves working two jobs uh, every time we are stressed out. And remember, we are here, we are not helping our family that we have here only. We are helping people at home. So we have double job we are doing. So make life better, easier. That's my main thing. That's what I realized when I came here. I'm like, why do we like to come to America? And I realized, oh my goodness, the people here, they make, they simplify life as much as they can. And us, when we come here, we have to make sure that we simplify our life as much as we can. Um, that's what I would share yeah, so far. I love, I love listening to you, uh, Juliet. You're a wonderful storyteller. And the work that you do is incredible. It's incredible. To all our guests who are just joining us, uh, my name is Simon Javan Okelo. I am the host of the African Father in America podcast. And uh, I have a beautiful, wonderful guest, Juliet Luakatari, the founder of Fanikia, Fanikia Foundation, uh, who is doing amazing work here in the 
in the Pacific Northwest and also back in Tanzania where she's ensuring that underprivileged girls and uh, women have access to education, financial support and social advancement opportunities. And you've been hearing her talking about uh, how COVID-19 impacted her community here in the U.S. and also back home and also some of the things that uh, she did. Uh, the reason why we are having this conversation today is because this episode of the African Father in America podcast has been made possible by Health Commons Project, which is uh, a nonprofit organization here in Washington State that was recently selected by Washington State's Department of Health uh, to distribute funds uh, to provide technical assistance, especially to organizations like Fanikia Foundation and other organizations in the African diaspora community. This is about 12 million and this money is going to be used to help organizations continue doing the kind of work that uh, Juliet is doing. So on April 15th, we are going to be at Rumba Notes Lounge in Rainier Avenue where we are going to meet some of the representatives of the Department of Health and learn more. We will also meet more community members like Juliet. We are going to have what we call listening session, community listening session, as part of uh, this project that is called, uh, uh, it's called the community, uh, it's called the community, um, community outreach. Uh, let me make sure I'm calling, I'm giving this the right name. Uh, it's a community outreach program. Hold on for a second. Uh, it's a basically it's a it's a program that allows community organizations like Juliet, uh, you know, like Fanikia Foundation to uh, use this funding to to counter COVID misinformation. You know, uh, for example, this money is going to be invested back in the African community to tackle miscommunication related to COVID-19, to improve vaccination rates uh, for COVID-19, and or to provide immunization in our communities where my understanding is that currently uh, there is very minimal uh, vaccinations taking place. There is uh, a lot of misinformation like Juliet was describing to us earlier. And so this funding is to help with the efforts to ensure that our people are well taken care of. So if you want to access this funding, join us on April 15th at Rumba Notes in person. You know, I will be hosting and I'm actually producing that event as well. But also another event that I am producing is the Madaraka Festival that is happening, uh, you know, very, very soon. Uh, if you look at the screen right now, you'll see that we have Madaraka Festival USA tour happening on May 16th in New York at Avin Plaza, happening on uh, 21st May uh, in Atlanta at Bucket Theater, happening on May 24th at the House of uh, Blues in Dallas, and also on 26th uh, May in Seattle, Washington at Benaroya Hall. So if you go to madarakafestival.com, you'll be able to get your ticket for the Madaraka Festival which is headlined by Sauti Soul, an incredible uh, band, an award-winning band from Kenya, as well as Eddie Kenzo from Uganda, also a Grammy-nominated artist, King Kaka from Kenya, Drez from Zimbabwe, incredible lineup of artists who 
do not just perform for the sake of music but they believe in uh, supporting music education across Africa so together with them we are going to reach over 3.5 million people in the communities uh, that we serve we are going to uh, you know improve music programs in Kenya at One Vibe Africa you know in Tanzania at Simba Hills in uh, Uganda at Love to Love these are existing organizations that are doing great work and we are just teaming up with all these artists to provide more resources to provide more support and to build a network uh, for more African artists to tour the US so i want to come back to why juliet and i are having this beautiful conversation so juliet you know you've heard that um we have uh, we have this funding available and one of the things that i want you to share with us is if this money is provided to you you know what are some of the things that you could do with it let's imagine that you've applied uh for the for the for this funding that is available through health commons project and you get it you know what would you do with it and also uh i just want you to look at the camera and also talk to other community leaders who need to know about this why is this important and what has the partnership with health commons project done for you and your organization in the past speak to that as we get to the end of our time together today yeah uh, thank you so much um so if i'm to get these funds i'll continue doing the work i've been doing uh helping serving my community being able to reach to my community with this credible information about the importance of uh their health about uh covid-19 vaccination about how can they can save their family their community about reaching to their families and talk to people who have not taken the covid-19 vaccination and tell them okay please take this this is what will happen if you don't take it because covid-19 we might say that it, it has ended it has not ended it has ended because most or maybe some of us or most of us have taken the vaccination and this has helped us to reduce uh the um the spread of this virus so what i will do with this uh covid 19 vaccine uh, this funds from the healthcare i'll reach out to the community as i said with credible information resources help them to navigate there's a lot of uh information services that for example department of social and health care that is is helping people so i'll try to help them to see how they're going to be able to reach to that help them navigate, go to their website, assist them, providing interpretation uh, services, translation. So because most of my community, sorry about this, most of my community, Swahili is a primary language. So transforming that information into Swahili language and make sure that whatever may be information I use is culturally related to them so they can have, uh, we can have a great response. That would be my uh, one of my number one work and uh, going reaching to the people, getting a lot of uh, community member to understand, to have a, a dialogue, to have an open discussion is a Zoom virtual and talk about the challenges that we are facing. Um, we are facing us as a community and be able to see how are we gonna address them? How are we gonna advocate? I would like to see so many people like us from African community uh, becoming the advocate of our community, being able to go to Olympia 
and talk about it. Um, I've seen, I'm going to use this example, uh, just last week or this week, I think I was in a Ukrainian uh, meeting, uh, it's called the task force, that they are there to help each other, being able to reach the resources. And uh, I know we cannot relate to them, they are going through big, huge challenges of war, but us too, we have men, African people who have been through war and they have been able to come here as refugees and have been going through mental issue, uh, economical issue, social issue, that uh, uh, they are still struggling to adapt to this new environment or new country. So I want like, to create that kind of a task force that all the community, African community leaders, that include faith leaders, uh, social activists from our community, come together as one and say that, okay, let's help our community be able to discuss and be able to be willing to come to go each of us to reach our community and to be able to thrive. I don't believe anybody should live in America in a poverty saying I cannot eat. I don't have a job. I don't know where I'm going to get insurance to see the doctor. I've seen so many people in my community that um, they've been diagnosed with different diseases at a very late stage. And I would go talk to them and most of them, they don't have insurance, they're undocumented. And I was like, okay, where, where were you? Uh, like, oh, I could not seek for help because I don't have insurance, I'm scared. And I uh, don't wanna get in trouble with immigration. So I was just treating myself at home. I'm like, no. So we should come together and be able to advocate for this kind of people and uh, be able to help them provide those services, immigration information, all that. So whatever they have, whatever challenge they meet, they know that they can be able to reach out be without being scared, without being threatened, not just not knowing the language. I've seen people from other country, they still speak their language that I see making in this country and they are still on the top. I've seen that, why not us? Why not Swahili language, for example, making on the top? So we should embrace, as you said, Simon, that we should embrace change. We should embrace our culture in this country. This country has uh, welcomed every kind of culture. Uh, it's a diversity country, and we should be able to raise our voice. And to raise our voice is not by me, myself. It's community holding each other and saying that we need change. And the change, I always believe change come from home. So that's what I would do with those funds. If I'm to get is to put ourselves together and be able to help each other. That's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I just thank you so much, uh, Juliet, for you know taking your time to join us today. Is there something that I didn't ask you that you want to add before we end our time together today? nothing much um, as I said I'm Ta Juliet I'm from Tanzania um, we do work here serve community in Tanzania and we do serve uh, people here in Washington State and most of them are East African refugee and immigrants living in Washington uh, in uh, Tanzania we help underserved community underserved community especially girls and women to empower them economically and socially and uh, we work especially with educated educated girl we uh, focus on the 
village, I would say, like, um, that's where we go. We work with local officials and we identify the girls in needs and we help them to go to back to school and be able to achieve. We have achieved a lot of um, success. We have uh, been able to reach a lot of girls. If I wish I had time, I would talk more about what we have done on these girls. You cannot imagine we have changed the lives of the girls. I'm telling you, when you help somebody, you can see it just I don't know what to say that when I look at these girls I'm like oh my goodness now they are working now they are in uh, university these people had lost hope they were just at home doing chores you know our culture our culture is like women we don't have that opportunity we are believed to get married to do chores and just to have babies and to take care of the family at home but Fanikia, we go there and we tell them, no, that's not true. Girls, we can serve the community in a different way by empowering us with education and we can come and do the same thing. We, we, are, we are strong. We can do that. We can have kids. We can take care of our family and also we can be independent and we can be economically and socially viable. We can be like that. So that's what our Fanikia Foundation is is helping people reaching people we are so proud of what we are doing and we have achieved a lot um that's what i would like to share that's wonderful that's wonderful one more time before we wrap up uh mm -hmm. say where people can go to support fanikia foundation what your website is and how everybody who is listening and watching uh can support you yes um you can always if you have any question you can email us it's info at fanikiafoundation.org or you can call me i like calls i like to talk to people i like new ideas i like uh, to converse and hear people's stories you can call me at 425-247-5341 also you can reach us uh, you can donate through our website um, at uh, foundation.org. And also we have a Fanikia Foundation Facebook page. You can reach us through there. And we have Instagram too, uh, Instagram page, Fanikia Foundation. Uh, so you can reach us, there's a message there. You can reach out to us too. So that's all. Thank you so much. Of course, of course. Uh, thank you all again for joining me for today's episode of the African Father in America podcast. This episode was made possible by Health Commons Project that was recently selected by the Washington State Department of Health to distribute almost $12 million uh, to, to community organizations in the African diaspora. So if you have a nonprofit organization and you're in Washington State, if you have a business that is directly supporting the community mitigate COVID-19 related challenges, especially COVID-19 misinformation, you should join us on April 15th at Roomba Notes, where we will host a number of people from the Department of Health. We will host community leaders like Juliet, and you will all be able to learn more about this opportunity, this funding opportunity that is intended uh, to design, implement, and evaluate outreach and educational campaigns related to COVID-19 and COVID-19 vaccination. So make sure you join us April 15th 
at Roomba Notes. Now, just quickly before I let you go, Juliet, we have so many comments on YouTube. We had so many people who are watching, and I just want to recognize them and give them a shout out. We also have a number of people joining us on TikTok. I see you. I appreciate you. And uh, I, I want to just quickly say that uh, brother, brother Arth, I see you. Uh, brother Arth is saying that he's joining us from North Carolina and uh is 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 uh you know he says peace and love family <laughs> and then uh john bantzel is joining us from massachusetts and he says good morning from massachusetts and then we have uh m jewel who is also joining us from florida and he's saying grand rising um and then lavender thank you so much for also being here uh and helping engage our our guests uh, who are here with us for the show today. So uh, again, if you're joining us for the first time, we do this every Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And I deeply, deeply appreciate your support. Juliet, I'll see you soon. We will have you back again so that we go deeper and talk more about the work that you're doing uh, in the community. I deeply appreciate you and I'm very, very proud of you. Take care of yourself. Yeah, okay. thank you so much for this opportunity being able to do this and share with the my people and whoever is listening today thank you so much for joining us yeah we'll see each other again thank you you, you did a wonderful job uh, considering this is your first podcast interview yes, you did a great is. job <laughs> take care juliet yeah. bye thank bye you so much uh, sana. You are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javanokello live from Seattle, Washington.